podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 138 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. I'd like to say we're all back together again for another one of our, our summer podcasts. Pete is, uh, is back from his stints as, as Pamela Anderson in Baywatch um, after a, a nice, nice trip over to the States. So it's great to have Pete back on the show. Uh, and obviously, Lee, Lee's sitting there. Chomping away as he always does, um, as we as we both record, but we're we're recording well, not straight after, but the uh, Everton's first proper preseason match happened last night, if you like, overnight in the uh, in Baltimore against Arsenal. Uh, Everton getting beat getting beat two 0 there. Um, it was good to see see the Blues back. Good to see obviously our our one one new signing and James Tarkovsky get forty five minutes. Good to see some of the youngsters uh, get some some game time as well. Um, but obviously, you know, you can't need too much into these these kind of games, especially the first one of pre-season. Um, but Lee, I mean, I know you sat up and watched, you know, definitely the first half. What what, what did you? What are you taking from from what we saw? What we saw last night? Um, yeah, I only lasted the first half before I zoned out, to be honest. Um, but yeah. Um... Look, it's, it's first and foremost, and we say this every time, what's pre-season for? It's to get miles in the legs, isn't it? Get the fitness on board. Um, and obviously going over to the States, has been a, a, a well, early doors, you can see already, the fan base there has been phenomenal. You know, building our, building our sort of uh, rapport with them over there. Um, and I just thought we looked like a team. It was certainly in the first half I watched. We looked like a team that was very much our first pre-season game. You know, Arsenal, that's their third game that they've played. So you could see they were just so much sharper, sharper to the pass, sharper to the ball. Um, they, you know, they, they swarmed all over us from the very get-go, didn't they? And they played at a high, high tempo, high intensity. And we obviously struggled to get out because they were pressing us right into, you know, into our own half. And you know, occasionally we did break. Yeah, we had a good break with Nkunku and, and, and possibly won their cavalry and just couldn't quite get it, get the shot off. But ultimately, look, you got to remember, and the perspective is the key word here. You know. Just saying off air, then, you know, Arteta's had what, nearly three seasons with this team. He's built an identity. He's signed players. You know, I think their net spend is just shy of 300 million last time I looked. So, you know, they've, they've, they've signed another forward now who I think will be a top signing for them in Hazels, by the way, because they were a centre forward away from being, you know, I think a top four team last year's season, Arsenal, and then they only just missed out on that. Um, so they just look really sharp. You know, and and credit to them. You know, they, they've got a system. They know how to play it. The manager knows what, what you know has had time with those players and wants them to play in a certain way. So just a bit of perspective. And I missed the second half. I know you stayed up and watched it, Mike. But some, some of the reports I've read by the Athletic and 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 a, and a few others on, on on Twitter. You know, we looked we looked um, pretty decent second half. I know we made eleven changes. They made changes. But you know, I heard Tarkovsky played really, really well, and and showed you know showed how good a defender he is, how much of a leader he is, which is great to see. And then uh, I heard that you know Reese Welsh and and, and Warrington uh, and Mills, you know, showed themselves to be decent players. So 
But you've got to take the positives in these sort of things, you know. It's as simple and straightforward as that. Um, it's the pre- first pre-season game. We go on to Minnesota now, and we'll have another run out there as well. Yeah, I think I think people have got to remember. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what I expected last night. I just, you know, in terms of us, quite clearly, it was our first pre-season game, so we were going to be rusty. You know, we, we look at the goals. It, it was down some mistakes. You know, seeing seeing us do silly things, which you saw last season. There's just too much of a knee-jerk reaction again. You know, let's get it right. The most important thing about pre-season is to to get your fitness first, first and foremost, to and then to come through hopefully three or four pre-season games unscathed and not picking up any kind of any kind of major major injuries. That's the key, and. I think people's, you know, to for want of a better term, heads are falling off because, you know, we we, we can see a couple of a couple of sloppy goals, um, and I mean I've had people comment on some of our things on Twitter and Instagram, saying, "Oh, we're going to get relegated. We've got no midfield. You know, we haven't replaced with Charleston. Season doesn't start for three weeks. What, what, you know, it's just we had this discussion. I know I know I did on the on the last podcast, um, and it's as much as we'd all prefer players to come in, new players to come in and be there for the start of pre-season. It doesn't always happen that way. It's not not a perfect world. I mean, you've still got Leicester City, who, as far as from what I can remember, haven't signed a player. You know, so Everton have got one player through the door. Uh, we're going to discuss, obviously, current links shortly. There's a lot of links out there. Um, but people have got to, have just got to calm themselves down. Let's understand what, what pre-season is all about. And like you said, Arsenal played, was it the, that's the third game of pre-season last night. They're ahead of the game. Uh, they looked sharp uh, against the side. who looked rusty. He was just trying to find their feet. And let, let's all let, let's all relax. Um, I mean, Peter, I know you said before we recorded you you, you picked up on that on the highlights this morning. Um, what 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 did what did you see? What did you what are you taking from that first pre-season game? I think, like Lee said, you've got to view it for what it is, which which is exactly that—a pre-season match, which is about building fitness, getting the group back together. You know, Lampard assessing the squad, figuring out you know which of the the younger players that might play a little bit more of a role in um you know in in the first group at the start of the season. So, so I can understand why fans are anxious, especially given what happened last season and the position we were in I, but believe me I, I i feel the anxiety myself but like you say perspectives needed uh because of the financial situation in, we're in we all know that any business we do is likely to come toward the latter half of the window we want to get things right you know the, the fans are talking about not wanting to make mistakes again um you know and everton have been quite heavily scrutinized for that so it's quite clear that the club are trying hard to get things right um and, you know, I don't want the Richarlison comments to sort of over overshadow us because we've got to move on now. Uh, but I do think that will have played a role. You know, the, the team that was out, that's the first time we've sort of played without our, what, what I'd consider, and I think a lot of Blues would consider to be our talisman. He's certainly been our talisman last season. Um, so that will have had a big, big impact on, on the group. And, you know, that's a back five that have never played together before. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think... The centre halves have ever played together in a, in in a three. I don't think Mina Mina Key uh, no, Mina Godfrey and Holgate. They certainly, I don't think they've ever started a game in a three. 
So, you know, we're, we're playing with a really experimental setup. And even for the manager to come out as well after the game and say, well, look, actually, this is sort of by virtue of the players that I've got available, not the system that maybe I would have liked to have gone with or, you know, he was sort of really alluding to, he would like to have had more options, particularly in midfield. You have got to take a big step back, I think, and just, you know, maybe judge things after the after the Kiev friendly. Yeah, I think, and it was only this morning I had to get the comments from the manager. He, he did say, um, that the formation, the setup that we played last night. So we started with the three centre halves, two centre mids, and then two wing backs, if you like, and then three attackers. Um, he did say that he's he's played that way because of the personnel that we've got on the on the actual tour. So he is, you know, we are actively looking for a number six. He, he's constantly in conversation with with Kevin Thelwell. Um, so the idea is that we're, we're not going to be playing three at the back. Um, three centre halves when when the season kicks off, so we are going to need to get a player in, in in, uh, in that role sooner rather than later, so we can get back to playing our four three three, and and so on. But it's um, like I say, you know, you, you don't learn a great deal, especially from that first game of pre-season. You know, we like we said, it's about fitness. It's about players getting you know minutes into the legs and. We made 11 changes at a hard time. So all the players who played last night got 45 minutes, uh, which is which was great. In difficult conditions, you know, it, it was it was warm, um, it was it was humid. So it's it's one of those one of those games where you, you take it off as as the first obstacle has, has been overcome in, in pre-season, and we move on to to Wednesday when hopefully we're a little bit little bit sharper. Some players will probably get an hour as opposed to 45 minutes. Um, and we might see, you know, might see a couple of other players who didn't feature um, in in last night's game, when when obviously we we, we played the second game, second game of the US tour. But it's um... you've got to remember as well, Mike. Don't you agree? I'm sure you boys agree. You know, let's be brutally honest here. This is an Arsenal team that you know only just missed out on the Champions League last season. This is an Everton team, you know, that you know stayed up by the skin of our teeth. You know, and there's obviously several reasons for that, down to you know the management appointment and and injuries and everything else. We'd like to think the squad is probably higher than that. I think it probably is, but point is, you know, this is a decent Arsenal team. Let's not get away from that. This is a decent team. I know we stayed up against Palace and we went to their gaff, and there was obviously a, you know massive sort of a elation from having to stay up, and, and and they beat us comfortably on the last game of the season. But they've got some top players, Arsenal, and they've added to that. Got some top players. You know, Saka yesterday looked, you know, looked really, really good. He had a great season last season. You know, I mean, Martinelli on the other side again, pacey, quick, looked dangerous. And then, as I said, look, look at Hazer. So, I mean, look, it was poor defending from us, but he's taken that goal brilliantly. What a first touch, you know, and buried it. So, you know, you got to remember this Arsenal team now, whether we like it or not, is is is, is get again going to push the top, you know, top four teams in the league this season, aren't they? And you know, they're a decent. It's a hard opener, you know, to go there and. As I said, you know they've played two more games as well. They got they got back a week earlier than us, and um, and it just did you, you know it showed it showed you know there's there is a level difference as well, and the fact they look fitter. So there's no point like you just said there getting carried away and thinking oh you know we should we should be beating these or we should be you know what we're we doing and, and hold on Lampard's going to need time now and he said it in his pre-season interview, hasn't he? He's going to need time now to try and. You know, build the Everton team he wants to, to see in his identity, play the way he wants us to play. 
Now, he did experiment with that when he came in halfway through the season and realised quite quickly, you know, we're going to have to change things here and be difficult to beat to stay up. And kudos to him, he changed it and he did that. Um, but it's going to take time for him to build this team as well. And we'll probably see this at the start of the season. You know, in the first few months of the season, we're probably going to have a few indifferent results. But we need to, again, the key word there, perspective. If we end up finishing, you know, dare I say, like 12th or something like that, then at the end of the season, but we can see signs of progress, then that, for me, is, is, as horrible as it sounds to say out loud, that's progress, isn't it? That, that's, that's not a bad season. So we need to remember that. You know, and, and, and I was hoping, I am hoping, that the scare we had last season might reset some fans' expectations and think, hang on a minute, you know, I know we're a, we're a big club and we've got a brilliant following and, and you know, we've got no divine right to finish top six or seven just because of the size of the club we are. You know, we need to be able to just build slowly, small steps to build it and, and, and add to the squad intelligently and things like that. Yeah, most, most definitely, most definitely. Um, but... Before we wrap up on, on last night, one player that, that we think we should touch on is the new signing, James, James Tarkovsky. You come on at half time. Um, and I, I, quite, I quite enjoyed watching him, I've got to be honest. Um, he was certainly leading that, that back three. Um, he was very vocal a, a couple of times later on. He did exactly what we wanted defender to do. He was be, went over to protect Stanley Mills uh, when, when Pepe wanted to pick a fight with him and, and Tarkovsky was over there straight away. And and Pepe soon soon backed off, and then in about twenty seconds, he then put one on or left one on another Arsenal player, which caused a bit of a melee. Um, and he, he sort of backed away, so not you know just walking away. And then as about, about five Arsenal players try and get anywhere near him, and that that's exactly a thing what we've what we've lacked at times over the last few years is a, is a player like that with a little bit of bite. Um, he's he's what I'd, I'd say a proper defender. Um, and someone who can certainly certainly help other other defenders through a game, whether it be Michael Keane, Mason Holgate, Ben Godfrey, he's one of those players who, who will certainly lead lead from the back almost. Um, and it was good to see him come on and, and put in a, a really solid performance, some, some decent tackles in the second half. Um, you, you can see obviously what the why why the manager wants to bring him in, and and looks of it. Again, we can't take that much from from what performance, but looks to be an astute signing. And um, one, I think you know, when we get to that Chelsea game, he'll, he'll definitely be starting. That's for sure. I think he he, he just brings that assurance to to our defence. Um, so great to see, great to see him. As I said earlier on, great to see some of the youngsters get a bit of bit of time. There was Warrington, Stanley Mills. He, he was he was excellent as well. Um, and on, on we go to, to the second match um, next week as we as we go in, as we move on, um, and and yet again get more minutes in the legs and and hopefully look a little bit sharper um, after another another few days soon. Um, but we'll wrap up wrap up the Arsenal Arsenal game there. Um, transfers as usual, uh, uh, all the talk at the moment. Um, as we said, ideally we'd have a, have a couple more through the door before we went to the States. We haven't, but the the talk and the rumours have not stopped, and we're we're going to discuss them after this short break. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground. 
cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome back to the second part of this week's Unholy Chainsy podcast. And it's back to transfers. That time of the year, isn't it, where... You know, every day you're looking for fresh rumours, uh, updates on on potential targets, and and one which which has come out of nowhere really since we last recorded a couple of weeks ago was, was a couple of days back now. It's it's the emergence of of uh, Maxwell Cornish from Burnley. It, it appears that Everton are now at the front of the queue the, in negotiations with Burnley to to try and secure his signature. Um, as things stood. On Friday, we were the, the, the most likely destination for him. And th- that would seem to suggest that it's going to be him over Emmanuel Dennis, who, you know, talk seems to have cooled uh, in regards to him and Wofford. Um, and apparently there was no official bid about that's actually gone in for for Dennis as as we speak today. But I know Lee, we had we had a chat didn't we on, on Friday about it. Um what what's what's your thoughts on on Corney? As a player, I think my thoughts are slightly different. Slightly different to you. Um, I'm not. I, thought, I think he's a good. He's, he's a decent player, but he, he's not. He's not a like a, what I would call a top player. But then we're not really in the market to sign top players, are we? Now with the restrictions we've got. But um, and I think at the end of the day, I don't. I, I personally don't think he's there as a Richarlison replacement. By the way, I think he's more of a winger. Um, Left winger, you know, we, if we're going to sign someone to replace Richie, we need someone that can play through the middle as well. You know, if something happened to Dom, for example, um, I don't think you want uh, Salomon Rondon leading the line. Do you know what I mean? Um, so um, I know at um, his previous club in Leon, he was he was playing um, left wing back as well at times. Um, so that'll be interesting if we do end up playing three at back occasionally, whether he will play in that position. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit underwhelming. Let, let's see if anything develops from it. I believe his release clause is seventeen and a half million. I don't want us paying seventeen and a half million for him personally. I think if we can get that a little bit lower, more like around about the twelve twelve mark ish, if we can. Whether that's possible, I don't know. Well, let's see. Um, I personally, I, I slightly disagree with that. I still think we may go in for Dennis, but I think Everton are playing sort of hardball on that. I know there's been no official bid, but. I can see us maybe going towards the end of the end of the window when Watford will almost be forced to sell because I don't think he's him and Sarrell definitely I don't think they'll be there at the start of their season or maybe at the start but certainly not by the end of the window. Um, 
I know Dennis scored two for them yesterday in the friendly. Um, and I, I just think with Dennis, he's, he's, he's a little bit more versatile in the fact that he can play across all front three positions. And I think he's better in the air and he's obviously got a physical presence about him as well. Um, I know, Pete, you, you liked the look of Cornet at times last season, didn't you? So you're probably slightly different to me. I just don't think he's... I think he'll be a good squad addition. I just don't think he'll really push that first eleven. I think he's got good technical ability. I mean, I think most Evertonians will remember that he, he got the winner against us. Um, and I, I think he also scored one, didn't he, that was a, a contender for goal of the season, that, that volley on the, the left foot. I don't know if people remember that. Um, but I, I think last season was his best return in, in any season for for goals. Um and you know to get nine goals in something like was it twenty six appearances, uh, you know in, that, in a Burnley side that went down. I mean that's not to be sniffed at at all. I, I didn't actually think he played as much football as he had. I thought they'd used him mostly off the bench. But um, Mike pointed out that he'd he played actually most of the games for them until he he, he picked up a, a couple of knocks. I, I think we're both Corney and, and Dennis. The, they're both gambles. I think because the, obviously they've had one season each in the in the Premier League, um, and sometimes I, I, I struggle a bit when these sort of stats come out comparing like Dennis and Corney to you know to Richarlison because I think you're comparing one season. Yeah, aren't you? Small, what, you know, small sample size, isn't it? Yeah, yeah what, one season against <laughs> against the player that's you know an, an established Premier League um, performer. So, I think yeah, I think, I think thing, way, it's, it's a gamble. I think the thing with, with Corne, which the, the point was made uh, on on Friday as well. If, if we did play this this three three at the back system, you then he, he he did play when he was at Leon as a as a left wing back. So you've got the option of playing him there. So defensively, he's actually quite sound as well. So you've got that that flexibility within another another player in the squad. Who can play a variety of positions, um, and some would argue he probably played his best football in that position in France. I know obviously it's a different league, but it just shows you the, the flexibility that that a signing can have. And like, like Pete said, I think it was it was nine goals, two assists uh, in in twenty six, twenty seven games last season, which isn't a bad return for a player uh, who who played for a side. He wasn't particularly attacking. I know he caused those problems. I know he scored against us as well, but. He, when he, you think he, he missed two games through injury, and and he, he really missed them, Burnley, and he, he only spent time on the bench after that injury, really. So quite a, you know, quite a reliable player, um, played quite, you know, a, a fair amount of, of of games percentage wise anyway for them since he signed. Um, so it's, it's an interesting one. It's a slightly cheaper option than than Emmanuel Dennis. Um, I'm I'm surprised. I am surprised Burnley. Uh, they're even speaking to us after what's what's gone on and the complaints they put into the Premier League. Uh, but as like I've said on, on previous shows, football's a business, and if Everton are the only side who are in for a certain player, then they know they've got to sell. I think Vincent Company, obviously now the Burnley manager, left them out of the squad for, for their pre-season friendly on Saturday and basically said we've got to prepare for life after him. So he's definitely on his way out. It's just how quick. We can get the deal, the deal over the line, uh, because all, all all signs now point to, to him coming, coming to us. Um, so, 
I'd expect that to, to develop probably quite quickly next week if it, if it's if it's going to happen. Um, but do you, you think, know, Mike? Do you agree with me? And you think that we could potentially get Denison as well as Corne, or do you think it'll just be Corne? Because I can't see Corne being a direct replacement for Richarlison personally. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think it'll be I think it'll be him. I think uh, I don't think I think it'll be Corne or Dennis. It won't be both. I think Gibbs White is, is still definitely he he's a will, will come in regardless, or we're still after him regardless of Corne and Dennis. Um, obviously, the, the lad at Chelsea, uh, Brozia, who's very much according to the Athletic Everton's number one target. So if you brought in, obviously finances permitted, uh, Corne, Gibbs White, and Ambrosia, then that'll be that'll be the the three, wouldn't it? Um, we've, we've been heavily linked with that Branks from Wolfsburg as well, haven't we? Yeah, interesting uh, on that. He's, yeah, he's interesting. Um, a midfielder. I was. I, I know we've had Tom Long on a few times. Tom's doing some great templates at the minute. If anyone's not on that, get 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 on it. But he's he did a little template on Bronks. I was looking at that the other day, and he was saying that you know he's the ideal midfielder really that we're looking for in terms of profile. You know, in terms of his ability to press, win the ball, uh, and carrying a little bit of a threat as well. I wonder if that ranks maybe, you know, be either him or Gibbs White, or you know what I mean, rather than both of them. Um, mm. Would be interesting to see. Obviously, we were linked with Traore the other day as well, weren't we? Whilst we were speaking to him about Gibbs White, whether that they were offered offering him as an alternative, we you know remains to be seen. But it's clearly obviously Dalwell knows some of these guys, doesn't he? At Wolves, um, the guy we've brought in to replace Unsworth as well, obviously was from Wolves, wasn't he? So. Um, they clearly know the character of some of these players, which is you know just as important these days, isn't it? In terms of knowing them as individuals, and Traore is an interesting one for me. Just just quickly on that, um, I know it sort of split the fan base when it got mentioned, but if we could get him for around about ten million, um, I'd have him all day. I'd have him all day. I know you can turn around and say, yeah, look, he can sometimes be well. On, in general, he's what stopped him from progressing to the next level has been. His goal scoring and assists, you know, he tends to be a bit wasteful when he gets into the final third. But in terms of just being a sheer threat, especially with the five subs rule now going forward next season, can you imagine if we're in a tight game against anyone and suddenly you've got Traore coming off the bench for half an hour? You know what I mean? I mean, if I'm playing fullback and he's coming on and oiling himself up, I'm, 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 I'm thinking, I'm not wanting to play against this lad. No, yeah, it, he's a funny one, isn't he, Because he, he flatters to deceive at, at the best of times. And and that's, you know, when you watch him, he's got all the attributes to be a top, top player, hasn't he? He's so quick. Um, so he, he can go from, from defence to attack very, very quickly. That that transition that we'd be looking for, it would be ideal, you know, having a player like him playing. Um, it's just obviously is is... His output is not great, is it? You know, his goals and assists, you know, his figures are not are not fantastic, and it's a shame, really, because if he could bring that to his game, then he, you know, he'd be a hundred million pound player, but he just doesn't, and that's the gamble with him. As much as he knows the Premier League, when you bring in a player like that, you, we need someone who's going to make an impact, and we can't carry another player who is not going to offer that much in way of goals and assists. You know, we, we've got if you look many. at his chance creation, mate, it's, it's right up there. And and, and I think, um, obviously, it's the age-old argument, you know, the assists in, in terms of stats is a really sort of difficult one to play. Mm. Isn't it? And a lot of people who work in the stats game say that because 
the end of the day, an assist is exactly what it is. You can lay it on for a player. You can miss, can't he? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you haven't got much control over the end product. All you can do is create the chance. But, you know, for that, for, you know, if you consider he's 26, potentially if it is 10 million, 10 million, then you think, like, you know, he's played over 200 games in the Premier League for different different teams, mainly Wolves. You know, that, it's not as if he's, like, 32 and we're signing him, you know, like Walcott at the end of his career. You know what I mean? So I just think um, if he is available for that, and just, through, you know, he will draw players to him just because of the type of player he is. You know what I mean? Like you just said their transition. If you are sitting off against a team, against the City or against... He had that memorable, memorable game against City, I remember for Wolves, where he got two goals on the counter-attack. Because he's an absolute animal to mark. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't shrug him off the ball. Like you just said, he's absolutely lightning, one of the quickest in the league. Um, and, you know, for that sort of money, I, I just think he would be a shrewd addition. I mean, what do you think, Pete, if you got Traore? I think it's a big gamble for our financial situation. I think maybe in previous seasons of you know similar price, similar player, similar age. I agree with you. You know, absolutely go for it. But I think the question is now: Do we have ten million plus? He's probably going to command a, a high wage package. Um, you know, do, do we have the the money to risk on on a player that really you know really might not work out and can be quite temperamental, can be quite difficult to to manage? Um, I, I agree with you. On his day, he's unplayable. He's absolutely unplayable, but it—he it seems to be a bit. Um, I, I suppose a bit like Delafeo, De and it, it, in the sense of when he's on, he's unbeatable. But when he's off, he's a five or six out of ten, um, and you're hauling him off after 50, 60 minutes. You, you know, again, question how you get the best out of him. He's also coming toward the end of his his career. You know, how many years are you going to you're going to get from him? You know, maybe another what one or two in the Premier League. I think he was only twenty six, isn't he? He's only twenty six. So I, I thought he was he, older. He's, he's young. No, so I, I, he's younger than you think. Yeah, so he's only twenty six. He's, so. he's been around for so long. And that's what I mean. He's, he's been around like he was at Borough, wasn't he? And he's like, obviously, they got him from Barcelona B. I was like you. I thought I thought he was like late twenties, but he's not. He's he's, he's only twenty six. So he's been around for for a while. So, uh, you know, for effectively still someone that's now approaching their prime, really. So for that sort of figure. I mean, look, if it is 10 mil, obviously it won't be 10 mil cash up front. And what we do know is that the money we've, we've had to, you know, we've, we've had to sell our best player, like you said, Pete, our talisman for 50 million. Now, the sad thing is because, you know, the financial fair play rules or whatever they're called in the Premier League now is, you know, we have to make that 50 million, you know, spread across about five players, don't we? That's where we are, sadly, right now. Um, where other clubs are going out there, don't get me started on the likes of Chelsea. Uh, and people like who apparently had a 1.5 billion debt uh, when they were bought out, you know, uh, owing to Abramovich. Yet they're still going to spend 200 million this summer. And then, you know, don't even get me going on Barcelona, who basically mortgaged their future on the TV rights. And you know, they haven't even paid Frankie De Jong yet. They can go out and sign sign Rafinha for 50 million, and they owe Frankie De Jong 17 million in wages. So let's not go there with that. We seem to be getting penalised for, for for our mis misdoings in in the transfer market, but. Back to back to Traore, if we did get him, it would probably be a few million quid up front and then obviously, you know, spread across the rest of the contract. So I just think for that and adding to the squad, and as I said, this five subs rule going forward next year, you know, we do need sort of strength in depth as well. It's not just the first 11, isn't it? I, I, if he was on the bench, like I said, and we were in a tight game and he was coming on, he'd certainly get people off the seat, wouldn't he, with the way he plays? 
if you could get him for the right deal, and if if, if, we, if we could get him in addition to let's say the other core signings that we need that we need to make, exactly. like, yeah. you know, another centre mid, another you know, another wide player, someone that can um, can also maybe play in the middle if uh, you know if, if 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 Dom's not available, then yeah, bite your arm off. I I, I think it'd be a, a sensible gamble. But what I wouldn't want to see is for us, for him to be, I guess, like an out and out replacement for. You know, for either a Charleston or for for a wing, because I, I I just think it'd be too big a gamble. You know, why yeah. why why would Wolves let him go? Um, you know, and his his time at Barca sort of fizzled out really, and they seem quite happy for him to leave. So it, it's sort of raising some of the wrong questions for me. Yeah, well, Wolves Wolves apparently by looking at the reports, what won him won him won him out. Uh, Bruno Large doesn't seem to rate him, but the thing is as well, you have got to remember a few times he's played at right wing back, hasn't he, in a three? So. You know, and that that again gives us a little bit more cover in that place. You know, I know Coleman's coming into the season. There's rumours that he's going to miss the start of the season through injury. Obviously, Nathan Patterson chance for him then to step up and take the shirt. But you know, I mean, if anything, he'll push Damari Gray on the right side um, in terms of you know trying to push him for his place. So I, I don't know. I, I think it could be if we could get the deal right. I think it could be quite a shrewd little signing for me personally. Do, do you agree, Mike, or he's he's sort of a bit ambivalent on it? Yeah, I think like like you like you both said, it all depends on what, what other business we do and the impact that it, it may have on our on our finances. Um, I think I think if we're going to sign him, it'll be later on. I think it could be dependence on who else comes in. I don't think the price is 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 a is a bad price. If if ten million pounds is is what it is, then you know how many players you've you've got the experience that he's got in the Premier League. Can you buy for that kind of money? And Hughes of his age as well, you know. So he's his best years are ahead of him. As I say, the concern just lies around his output for me. Um, but I think I think that one might might run a little bit. But it all just depends, as I say, in terms of who else who else gets brought in. That that's for sure. Um, but at, you know, we, we'll leave we'll leave transfers there. Um, I just want to round the show off quickly if we can, just to have a have a brief chat about the communication that's come out this week from. Farhad Mashiri. Um, there was again, you know, there was there was some banners placed outside the ground in protest to to Farhad Mashiri and Bill Kenlight, and then obviously the communication came out from him to basically say, you know, he's not not selling the club. There's no for sale sign above the door at Goodison Park. Um, he's open to a, a minority investor to basically help fund fund Bramley Moore. Um, and he's committed to to improving the squad for for Frank Lampard, um, and he said there, there will there will be new signings. Um, what what are our thoughts on that, Lee? Are you happy with that kind of communication from Farhad Mashiri? Yeah, I think I, I put a tweet out uh, after long after he'd done it and and said um, basically look, a lot of fans were giving him stick in terms of what he said, you know, and 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 and. and about not not selling the club clearly, the fans have now got it in the head. Right, we need to get him out. Maybe there's some truth in that. Don't know. Um, but at the end of the day, he's communicated through the official channels. He's updated us on what happened in terms of the conversations between them and the American consortium. So you know, you can't have your cake and eat it. You know, we criticised him heavily last season for the club or, or the club and him for not coming out and communicating with us at certain times of the season in terms of what's going on behind the scenes. He's come out. He's, he's not done it through Jim White in Talk Sport. He's done it through the official channels, by all accounts. 
And at the end of the day, like you can't you can't then criticize him for that, whether we like what he's got to hear or not. So he's updating us on the situation. I think it's clear as day that he was never really looking to sell anyway. I think he was looking to sell a stake potentially up to 30% to help some cash flow to fund the stadium. I think that's what he was looking for. And it turns out this American consortium then were then like, well, are you interested in selling? They obviously then signed an agreement to say, look, we've got a couple of weeks now to look at the club as a whole, look at the books. He's probably entertained it and then dismissed it. You know, at the end of the day, he's, got, he's the majority shareholder. You know, They may have lowballed him and offered something nowhere near what he thinks may be the price. So he's updated us on that. And I think that was, that was the remit all along. He's committed to finishing the stadium. I think we all pretty much know when he's done that and the stadium is, 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 you know, is up and hopefully we've got a decent team to fill it, that, that will probably be the time he may exit because that's where he'll probably get his biggest return on his investment and then so be it. So, yeah, I, I just think you know, he's communicated with us. He's updated us on the situation. I haven't got a problem with that. You said the same piece. Are you, are you are you satisfied with what has what has come out? For want of a better phrase, does it does it put your mind at rest? That and as far as Michelle, you said, offer some reassurance. I, I think it's a bit like the last statement he, he said. He, I really like what he's saying. He's saying all the right things. He's you know, if I made a list of things that I, I'd like him to say and I'd like to hear from him, a lot of those things would be on the list. That you know, new signings are going to come in. Trust the process judge things at the end of the window, that there's going to be, you know, financial stability in terms of the, the future of the club and the ownership of the club, that, uh, you know, that, that there's uh, reassurances and guarantees on the stadium. Then all the things as a fan, I think I, I, I'm wanting to hear from the club. But I, I suppose, given recent history, you can't help but have doubts and think, well, you know... Are these things going to materialise? So I hope for his sake that they do, because I think that's that is the platform to restoring fan confidence that we've been talking about so much, you know, over the past sort of six to twelve months in particular. Better communication from the club, but they've also got to deliver on the things that they're sharing with us. Um, I can I can understand why fans continue to be angry, um, but I, I I agree with Lee. I I, I I like what he said. I, I like the way that he's done it. I think it's appropriate to do it through sort of official club channels um, rather than, you know, end up with sort of strange, you know, backdoor ways of communicating with fans that just, for me, wouldn't make sense. But they've got to deliver. Um, Mishiri's got to deliver on the things that he's effectively promising, really. You know, some of these statements will definitely come back to haunt him if it turns out to be just P PR. No, yeah. I can understand. I can understand fans' anxiety 100. percent You know, at the end of the day, you know, you could argue, you could arguably say with justification that you know it's been totally mismanaged. You know, um, I think there's no debate about that in terms of how the club's been managed from from the top. Um, and I understand fans' the fans' anxiety as well around you know, well, you know, the hierarchy still in place. You know, Bill's still in still in there negotiating transfers. Denise is still in there in her role rumours that she was potentially leaving at some point. So, you know, I can understand that and I really can. You know, there, there probably does need to be changed. Well, the, like for me, there does need to be changes at the top. He has made changes or, the, you know, in terms of since they've done this review and they're bringing in the likes of Kevin Thelwell, you know, understanding that some of the roles need to change. Unsworth's left, Ferguson's left. Um, so, you know, there have been some smaller changes there. And, um you know, it, as I said, it's it's a bit by bit, bit by bit process, and I can understand 
fan fans anxiety around that. But if he has come out and communicated us, updated us on that situation, then so be it. You know, if this American firm did come in and did take over, it doesn't suddenly mean we've suddenly got five hundred million to spend. You know I mean, the situation financially is the situation financially is still the same. You know, we still have to run a solvent football club at the end of the day, and that's the whole point that that, that it's there, whether we agree with it or not. And I don't particularly agree with the way some clubs can bend around it, but that's another conversation. So, yeah, so for me, I'm, I'm glad he's come out and, and, and communicated with us and updated us on, on the situation. So let's see, let's see, as I said, and I agree with exactly what he said in terms of let's assess our window at the end of the window. Sadly, we haven't got the cash up front. I think this is what's stopping some of these deals going through. We're trying to stretch 50 million across four or five players, maybe a little bit more in the kitty. So we have to be savvy with that and we can't just get a deal over the line by saying, OK, we'll have Morgan Gibbs-White, there's 15 million up front. You know what I mean? So we're just not in that position. I think that's what's preventing some of these deals from getting over the line. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's got to be an acceptance there, whether we like it or not. Obviously, we know the mistakes that are being made. We know the situation that we're in. But when it, if we isolate transfers on their own, that's where we are. And that's where we've got to call for a little bit, a little bit of patience. Um, there is a, another planned protest next Saturday at Goodison Park, um, arranged by the, the 27 campaign, um, which obviously is another uh, another situation where the, the, the call for change, basically, in, in regards to to the board and certain board members and you know not accepting the, the mistakes that have been that have been made in the past um so there's still a, a lot of a lot of negativity around that um and you know you you see it across social media some agree with it some some don't agree with it um some are on board and we, we all want it we all want a better a better functioning football club you know we all want to go back in time and change the mistakes that have been made um and you know i always i also agree we, we, we shouldn't accept mediocrity as well um but i mean i i, I don't want to delve too much into that because listen that, it, that, that is what it is and you know we, we know how important us as fans have been to getting the club out of out of the uh the mile last season and you know we know there's a lot of little feeling towards certain certain board members as well um well, let's, you know, as far as you said, as you, as you said, Lee, let's judge the window when the window's over. Let's see who we can bring in. Um, I still think there's going to be three or four players through the door, to be honest. And and I think that the side that we saw last night in our first pre-season game um, will look a, a lot different come, come that first game of the season against Chelsea and most definitely at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the transfer window as well. But that's us for today. Um, thought it was important to to check in, have, have a have a chat about obviously pre-season how things are going. Um, great to great to have the three of us back together as well. Uh, before I go off on my travels in about uh, eight or nine days' time, but we will look to record again next week. Um, season's only around the corner. Look forward to seeing Everton Everton in some more pre-season action over the next couple of weeks as well. Um, so we will catch you. Same time next week. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports 
Social Podcast Network.